And welcome to the untold, untold hour. hour, where we are going to talk finally all about the Cecil Hotel documentary that is currently available to be watched in its totality on Netflix. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bypass Weird of the Week. We're going deep dive on this docu series. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, it's been quite a hot topic. I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, no, I've seen a lot. I, I mean, I avoided, like, I kind of wanted to hop in on the fray, but I wanted to save it for our stuff. So, like, the day that it launched is the day that I watched it. Yeah. Literally woke up, came to the couch, turned on the TV, watched the whole thing in one sitting, um, immediately went to Twitter, saw everybody t- uh, posting their hot takes, yeah. Was very tempted to join into that conversation. And then I remembered, one, it's Twitter. Why do yeah. that to myself? And then two, I wanted to save it for our show anyway. So totally. And it's but it's been it's literally been driving me a little up the wall because I've just been wanting to chat with you guys about it so bad. Yeah. And I uh, watched it all today. So it's and fresh in your mind. So I've had about a week fresh. to forget details, so I might be asking you for a like to remind me. But I'm that's you know. fine. Yeah, and it's fresh. And I will say that if I had to wait a week to talk about it, I'd be driven mad as well. I'm yes, yes, it was anxious tough. to talk about it. I'm I'm surprised I have as many opinions as I do on it because really, you're surprised by that. <laughs> well, <laughs> what I are guess. You I guess it's because in the beginning, episode one, episode two, I didn't have as many opinions. And and I was thinking that I didn't agree with a lot of the <laughs> discourse online. But then by the end, I agree with a lot of the discourse online. And I'm like hot and bothered by the documentary and want to talk about it. Ooh, that's interesting because while I did look up some people's comments on social... I didn't, I didn't, I didn't bash my head against that wall too, too much. Yeah. So the whole like, um, like, oh, I'm curious to see what your hot take is about the documentary as a, as a whole. Yeah. I, with the exception of some like director or editing choices that I would have made Oof. differently. Yeah. <laughs> which. You know, you will be able to speak to better than I will since you're you you do actually do that. Um, I didn't have a problem with it on a did they do her a disservice level? Yeah, I uh, yeah. Why don't you why don't so, you kickstart us since it's fresh in your mind? You got the hot takes. You hit right. me with it, and then I'll run a commentary. Well, so real quick, just for anyone that doesn't know. Oh, this is uh, not going to be spoiler free. Oh, yeah, this is not going to be uh, spoiler free. This is, is going to be a discussion around the entire run of episodes, all four episodes of Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Um, I, going I will s- a deep dive into this. Absolutely no spoiler warnings whatsoever. Yeah. This is your one spoiler warning. If you do not want to hear about any of this, then unfortunately, you're going to have to leave now. <laughs> yeah, Um for those that don't know, it's from the producer and director Joe Berlinger or Berlinger, um, who's like kind of an old school true crime producer. Like he made Paradise Lost, the uh, the infamous documentary from back in the day. Wait, is that the one in regards to what happened behind the scenes of uh, of the Island of Doctor Moreau? No, that's a great documentary too. Oh no, Paradise Lost was about the the murders at uh, Robin Hood Hills, uh, which led to the arrest of those three young men, the Memphis Three, the West Memphis Three, um, who were all found to be innocent. But Damien Eccles, who is kind of infamously regarded as the ringleader, um, became kind of a, uh, I guess, like a 
I don't know, a, a symbol in the true crime world of somebody that was wrongly accused because of, specifically because of the panic around kids that listen to Marilyn Manson or kids that look like Satan worshipers. Uh, Damien was considered to be a suspect because of his lifestyle. Um, and then while in prison, you know, became friends with a lot of, it's so weird because you talk about these celebrities now and they're all problematic. But like Johnny Depp, you know, befriended Damien Eccles and all this stuff. Uh, so Berlinger, not about the Johnny Depp thing, but the fact that they kind of potentially had their lives destroyed just because of their like lifestyle aesthetic, because that does come up as oh, well. Totally, in the current documentary totally does. That's exactly what it made me think of. So, uh, as a quick, quick overview, the docu series follows pretty much focuses on the disappearance of Elisa Lamb, a young woman, uh, a, a young student from Canada who had traveled to Los Angeles to kind of go to a new environment and get get to some places that she'd never been to before because she hadn't traveled much in her life and wanted to see and do much more than she had. And she goes missing. And we, I talked about the the disappearance of Elisa Lamb on, on Bizarre States when it mm-hmm. first made news. And then we definitely talked about the video that emerged, which is what kind of made the case famous, uh, this video of, of her in the hotel getting in and off of the elevator multiple times, mm-hmm. looking looking to be very disturbed and, and paranoid. And, and then the next thing you know, she disappears out of the frame of the surveillance footage and is, is missing for 19 days before she's found. And she's eventually found in the water tank on the roof of the hotel. Now... Here, okay, Uh, I assumed wrongly that for there to be a four-episode Netflix docuseries about this case, that there must be some new information. And I've got to say, one of my biggest gripes with it, there's so many, I tried to, I was texting a friend all of my gripes while I was watching it, almost just so I'd have those texts to go back through on the podcast. Mm -hmm. But... I've got so many issues with the docuseries as a whole. Yes, artistically, conceptually, like structurally. But just from an information standpoint, I really felt duped because I realized at a certain point, this was a documentary for people that don't already know how this shakes out. So to get Mm. to the end and have it basically present information to me that we knew, I just... Well, but what didn't we know? I mean... I, I, I a, knew. Okay, what did you know? And then I'll hit you with what I think. Okay, I knew that she was bipolar, and that it was basically decided that she had had an episode because she'd gone off her medication and threw herself into the water tank and drowned. And then the thing about the documentary is, and uh, man, one of my most hated documentaries of all time is this documentary called Dear Zachary which a lot of people swear by, and Jessica Chobot never watch it because mm-hmm. it, it is about a child. I've but, heard about it. I don't want anything to yeah, do with it. There, there, there's, I, I don't have the language exactly for this, but there's the difference between a documentary that holds information and reveals information, but kind of still it keeps your, your trust and your confidence in it and in its makers. But this was withholding information, just like Dear Zachary, purely for manipulation and purely to structure a better payoff narratively, but they have all the information at the top. And then they're choosing to bury the lead for four hours to basically give me what I could look up on Wikipedia, which is that she was off of her medication and and fell into the tank or threw herself into the tank. And all of the little asides that it goes into of there's conspiracy theorists. Yes, that's interesting to a degree. There's this satanic musician that's a suspect for a while. That's interesting to a degree. But mm-hmm. knowing the whole time that all of those are dead ends and that all of those are misdirects and red herrings, it just made the entire viewing experience very tedious and, uh, for me when it ultimately just kind of dumps you out at the same conclusion that we already have, that we've had for years now. So uh, I did not dislike it nearly as much as you did. Um, I, I literally at one point yelled out loud, Fuck this documentary. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't get there. I will say I understand your point, but I think the issue for me is uh, I wanted 
So yes, I was also aware that she was bipolar, but from a personal perspective, I don't necessarily know the details in regards to what does that mean for her? Like what, what how does that manifest itself in her day-to-day life? So I knew what was going to happen going into this, but I wanted the like details on it. Like I want I needed it, you know, and maybe you did more investigating on it back in the day when it first hit. So because I I feel like for me, I got bits and pieces of this information as um, things would become revealed that the police would come forward or the news people would cover it. And uh, but it was all kind of truncated and just in random spots. And I just never really followed through trying to come up with a timeline for it. So I knew that she so I knew that she had these issues um, that she was bipolar, but like, what did that actually mean? And for me, the big reveal, I guess, wasn't so much that she had the episode, um, but how her sister, how how it was found out that that's de- like pretty much what occurred, where the sister came forward and said, "Yes, this is actually how this manifests for her." Right, we've because witnessed when this they, before. Yeah, because when they started off, and now. In hindsight, having watched the documentary, I didn't know that information that her sister shared, but I do feel that I can agree with you in regards to the documentary bearing the lead a little bit because in the beginning, in one of the first couple of episodes, they mentioned the fact that when she is bipolar, she's on her medication. And I believe there's a phrase, and I can't remember who says it, but somebody mentions how... um, she's got it under control or it's not that bad. Right, right. And it's, and and then like they play it up like, like, yeah, she's, she's, you know, she's, she's, she's got these struggles, but they're not, but she's like brilliant and she's a great writer and she's yeah. not letting it hold her back and she's able to do these things and her parents trust her. And they, they, they don't make it sound as if like, when she is off her meds, she's actually seeing hallucinations or right. she starts to panic and looks for places to hide until like 30 minutes before the ending. And that's where I was like, well, hold up. You did not like you purposely. The filmmakers knew that episode yes. one. Yeah, they right. They tried so, to make it look like a bigger drop for us, but it's just stuff yeah. they were sitting on for four episodes. Yeah. Well, but I feel like I was a little bit even lied to in in that beginning where they purposely uh channeled the attention away from it being as extreme as it was for her. Totally. They by literally did. saying it's not that it wasn't that bad. Like she, you know, she she knew how to deal with it. She was very proactive about dealing with it, this, that, and the other thing. And then yeah. 30 minutes before the ending. It's like, oh no, like it's, well, that's, that, uh, it's uh, a big, it's a big deal. And it's like, wait, what, what happened to the other four hours of that? Like, that's the part where totally. I was a little bit. Well, right. Like, uh, which is like them stretching their own content. I mean, it's that everybody talks about the Netflix bloat, which, you know, is a real thing. There's episodes of a show on Netflix that could be three episodes long. As far as the mm-hmm. narrative distance, they're actually traveling you could get it in three episodes, but of course it's nine. And it's like, this had well, that. And, it, and this had that in the same way that, what was that other documentary that came out about the sex cult in Hollywood? Oh, Nexium. Nexium. Uh, Nexium, like, I think that was HBO. what, like 12 episodes? Yeah. I mean, that, they could have cut that by like at least four episodes. It's like, yeah, yeah man, I, this entire hour long has been me watching you make phone calls about the same shit over sure. and over again. Like, I just feel like that is this issue with having these documentaries for, made for television watching, where I it's know. like, this is like, that's not good editing. But well, I also want to say, well, let me say one more point about the Lisa stuff. Yeah. Is that, um, so for me, it was the details. It was the detail and finding out how much her, um, her being bipolar affected her when she was off her medication and how yeah. that would manifest itself for her and why she would then decide to go like, cause I could never wrap my head around. Why would you choose to go hiding in a water tank? Like I couldn't, like I couldn't get it. Yeah. And so once 
they came out with the fact that her sister's like, yeah, she ends up panicking and getting really paranoid. Thinking somebody's after her. Thinking somebody's after her. So she tries to find safe places to hide. I'm like, and she's in the middle of this episode. I was like, oh, well, okay. That makes sense to me now. Yeah. Why she would go there and think that that is a viable place and then not realize like, once I'm in, I don't know how to get out. Like that makes yeah. sense. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. But I didn't know that just from reading the articles from however many years ago when, when that first hit. Yeah. I kind of remember you mentioning the musician that came up as a potential suspect at right. one point. But I had no idea how how um, bad he got the, the, the heat. The heat from the internet and like why him? I never really understood that. Um, So those kind of things for me were interesting. I think the one issue I had with the redundancy and the editing was less those bits and pieces of info and more about the Skid Row aspect of it. Yeah. Where for like two whole episodes, with the exception of one or two interviews with the cops and or the hotel clerk, which, oh my God, that woman drove. Oh, oh. see, I've I, got so many thoughts on her. So wow, many thoughts on her. I don't know how to process her. I know. But, um, but, uh, but, uh, the skid but row stuff. The skid row, thanks. The skid row stuff. I thought it was worth mentioning once or twice because I think from out of right. town, you don't realize how like central to downtown LA skid row is and how big it is. I mean, you know, if you were if you were a traveler that didn't know any better and you just think L.A. is bright lights, palm trees and lovely. Yeah, I'll stay downtown. Sounds great. You would have no idea. Yeah, you would have no idea. So I thought that that was good for like one or two episodes to really hammer that home. But I think that they mentioned it like like five, like like five episodes. And I'm like, yeah, man, we got it. Yeah. They kept trying to play up that angle. And I'm like, it's obvious that it wasn't somebody there yeah it felt like to me the 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 documentary was confused on its like thesis statement because even at the very end um oh gosh i i got so angry this is me getting ahead of our discussion but i got very angry at the end because all of the sudden the documentary tried to like teach me a lesson the documentary was like you know i know we all like to believe that it could be supernatural or that things might have a bigger mysterious meaning behind it. But the truth is this was about mental illness and you should really take it seriously. And I'm like, I should fuck you. You're the one that just made four episodes basically (laughs) toying with the idea of whether or not it was supernatural or whether or not there was a conspiracy theory. It's like when the Mm -hmm. rock came out and said he had COVID because he let friends into his house and then he turned it into a teachable moment for us. He was like, so just so you know, guys, you really got to take this seriously. We know rock. We're all staying home and not letting people come over. You're the one that broke the rules. And that's what the documentary did. It was like, just so you know, you really got to take bipolar seriously. And if you're suffering from depression, and I'm like, fuck you. That has not been your MO this entire time. You've been playing with all of the things to get me all Mm -hmm. excited and stimulated. And then you tried to make it a fucking, you know, lesson in health class. And then the same thing with the homeless epidemic. The last two minutes of the documentary, they're like, you know, and re- this homeless thing, dude, we really got to solve this problem. And I'm like, that's not the documentary you made. You were so confused with your messaging the entire time. Mm-hmm. You'd go off in I this direction like, and then go off in this direction. And then I did like, though, the the like lesson lean in that they tried to do with um, Internet sleuths. Oh, I yeah. Did like yeah. that part of it, because I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like that one guy. I can't remember his name. He was like the head of the Facebook fan group. Yeah. And he's like, I feel like she's uh, like a part of my family and yeah. he's like crying about it. And he has somebody go and take a picture of her gravestone and put their hand on totally. it and send it to him. I'm like, dude, you need to back the fuck up. That is not your fucking family. Except this should not be your jam. My only defense for them, because this is the part of the discourse online that I've disagreed well, with. Well, I think some of them grasped it you know well, like right. they got it they were like okay we were into it because this is a great way to solve potential crimes yeah. and to help and and when they when the 
when the evidence was presented to them, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, that is well, great. Right. I'm talking the people that take it and they're like, there's no way. You know, they're just sitting at home and they're like, why yeah. haven't the cops called me personally to give me the totally, update yet? Totally. And it's like, no, oh, yeah, who that do you, one, think you are? <laughs> that one lady was like, so the autopsy report's been released, but we didn't get it. And I'm like, who the like, fuck are you? Why would you get it? Yeah. Who the that's fuck like, are you? It's like me sitting here and being like, so why isn't Dr. Fauci giving me my brief today? I haven't gotten the morning brief. I'm like, uh, you don't work for the fucking CDC and the government, dude. Yeah. But you don't know how this shit goes. Here's my defense for the, the sleuths that ha- that I've seen been criticized online. I saw a lot of people here. He, this was the general takeaway that I saw from like Twitter. It was okay. like. I was enjoying the Elisa Lamb documentary until it got exploitative and felt like it was disrespecting her memory and what she went through. And a big part of that was all of these web sleuths and their conspiracy theories that they basically found to be disrespectful to the truth. Um, because, you know, it's it's like we talk about with cursed films. You can say Poltergeist was cursed or you can say, no, one of the actors had a disease and the other one was was killed by an abusive boyfriend. And so, like, by by talking lofty about it you're removing the reality and and not respecting the facts but here's the thing in defense of the web sleuths it's the police's fault for releasing a fucking video that looked like it had been edited by gore verbinski when he made the ring (laughs) yeah yeah you i i will give that (laughs) the jumps in time the blacked out (laughs) time code and then you're wondering why the internet's obsessed you fucking idiots Yes, there's chum in the water. I will absolutely agree. I understand. So here's my thing. When you heard the cops explain why they did it that way, I'm like, okay, I get it. They were trying to get information. However, I think even one of the cops (laughs) that they interview at one point says, yeah, man, it was like 2013. Like, we weren't even like that, you know, we didn't even know how the internet worked. I'm like, what? It's 2013. What do you mean you don't know how the internet works? He said, it's not like 1995, dude. Like, it's 2013. Yeah. You guys fucked up because you chose such a bad way of approaching this. Totally. Hey, taking a video, giving it to the internet, I think that part of the idea was a good idea. But right. like, know what to expect exactly. in return. Know what's and coming. The yeah. The fact that they tried to backpedal and say we don't know how to use it was 2013. He said, like, he said the we didn't even brand know. New. <laughs> he said we didn't even know videos could be viral yet. I was like, dude, Lazy what? Sunday had already happened. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no. Right, Lazy Sunday <laughs> went viral in 2009, and these cops were like, we'd never even heard of a viral video before. I'm like, dude. Yeah. I mean, it it looked like it was released to be creepy pasta. Yeah, and it did. all the time jumps, they were literally offering up a mystery for for people. So I don't mm-hmm. begrudge the sleuths that got in over their heads because it looks like more of a mystery than it really is. I only begrudge it with I only begrudge the sleuths and even then only some of them when they themselves have a problem or what seems like a struggle with the Accepting fine reality. line of reality yeah. and uh and fantasy uh yeah. their actual importance in the involvement with the case totally. uh, not the fact that they wanted to help but the fact that in a lot of ways they refused to believe what was actually happening with the information they were getting because it gave them something to wrap themselves up in. Yeah. It was less about her and more about them and their feelings right. involved in her death. And that's where I would agree with the Twitter people where I'm like, that's pretty disrespectful. And at some point, like, it's great that you had the best of intentions in the beginning to try and help, but you yeah. need to know when to back off in particular when they all started attacking some random metalhead on youtube you know and i know <laughs> what that <laughs> feels like i've gotten uh targeted before because of people that think i'm a crisis actor and oh yeah because you know i've spliced myself into existing news footage so people will think 
Onyx was somewhere where a, a mass shooting occurred or Onyx or Andrew was, you know, at the Boston bombing. And it really is terrifying when the sights get set on you from that energy of person yes. who, who you realize does not fully grasp reality. And yep. what was interesting to me was that musician who seems to play in this make-believe world of blood and death. Um, I kind of respected him for, well, once the going got tough, he was like, y'all, y'all gotta know. I'm just yeah. goofing. I'm goofing. You gotta back down. I mean, he played coy at first with that voice-coded message where he was like, I did not kill Elisa Lamb. And I'm yeah, like, Yeah, I don't right, think dude. that in like, the long run that that, that would have helped his message. He thought he could point. still have some fun with the theatricality of it. But I appreciated well, him being yeah. in the dock just being like, it wasn't fucking me, dude. I've got alibis. Everybody needs to get the fu fuck off my back. It's yeah. scaring me. Yeah. No, I would agree. I, I yeah, that, that whole thing. Okay, so let's uh, start discussing the... Uh, the woman manager who ran the the Cecil manager, the woman who ran the Cecil Hotel. Let me look up her name. Down. I mean, wow. Oh, I don't even <laughs> like there would be moments she would say things. and I'm like, yeah, I get it. That makes tons of sense. I, I see. But then there's other parts of me where I'm like, stop making excuses for this hotel, Amy, how this went down, Amy Price. Yeah, I know, but the like, how, how, like, how much, how in what, what? Like, she just seemed so cold sometimes. She really did. About and like, you know, who knows? Maybe because of it being the Cecil, she's seen a lot of shit, and I it's think just like I go to work and this is my job and this is just my job and I'm able to turn it off and we're just talking about my job now. So I'm turning it back on. And once this is done, yeah. I am going about my day to day business. Like maybe that's just the way she compartmentalizes a lot of this. And so I think it is. I think she's. But also, what the fuck? I know <laughs> I, I had the hardest time figuring her out. I mean, all the way through. But she seemed both cold and callous about the entire thing. But then also mm. kind of entertained by being in the documentary. Like she kind of it, it felt like, look, I did this crazy fucking job for 10 years. I am going to get a little spotlight and sit down. And also, I think she wanted to explain to people what it was like to run that place. It It, it is like for all of us, it seems so uh, out of the ordinary for these occurrences to happen. But for her, it just it just wasn't. Somebody comes to her lobby and says, I'm crazy, but so is Los Angeles. And for her, that's like... She's like, yeah, yeah, dude. And everybody's like, why didn't you call the, the EMTs immediately? That woman was, was out of her mind. And, and she's like, do you know what running the Cecil Hotel is like? It's basically a place that, you know, is built to allow for a certain type of person to frequent that may be dealing in dangerous things. I mean, it's kind of built to be that. So this is where I kind of got irritated by it. And partly with her, but also whoever, obviously she's the manager, she's not the owner. Who does yeah. she answer to? Because they they are absolutely giving her marching orders. Yeah. My whole big thing is you've run the Cecil. So the Cecil in and of itself has a dark past. Right. Everybody knows about it at this Infamous. point for sure. Right. Infamous. But even before any of the stay on main bullshit ever occurred where they yeah. tried to make it this like high end, like hipster youth hostel and all that other garbage, like it, like people knew that that was a flop house. It's I mean, the, she it's says the so Amityville herself. house. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, there's been t countless suicides, countless ODs, tons of murders. Like it's just like, that is, that is it's, core yeah. being what bugs me and it goes for her and whoever her actual bosses were that yeah. were callous enough to say we're going to take advantage basically of people that are traveling that don't know any better right 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 like you should have told a, a young student uh hey dude this is yeah. not yeah and advertise the fact that we like, I guess my hang up is isn't the fact that they tried to split up the hotel in multiple ways. So that, that was wild to me, dude. That was like well, something out so of. I've lived in something similar where 
part of my complex was one thing and part of my complex was another. Yeah. But the deal was is that you didn't, there were no ways to get through to the other side or vice versa. Like that was it. Like you're in your spot. The thing that pissed me off is they obviously were looking to make money to try and turn the Cecil around. I don't begrudge them that. I don't, I'm not in love with the fact that they were trying to do that by taking advantage of unknowing travelers that are not familiar with the LA area that are obviously young bring them in here and kind of stick them into this like melting pot situation without their knowledge. Okay. So that's okay. Not great, but not awful. Like it can be done. Right. But then they didn't actually separate it. Like you would go there and that one couple that was there said, you know, you could tell that people were like having a party in the room above them or like, the minute they stepped into the elevator, it was disgusting because it was the elevator that everybody used all throughout the building, uh-huh. including the people that were, you know, shooting up in the other lobby and then like taking a piss and a shit in the corner. Yeah. Like, that like the the fact that they were they just polished the outside to try and lock people in. Right. To get them to come in and then and then like trick them into staying there. That's where I have a big issue I think with her and whoever it is that was actually running that place above for her. For sure. I think they I think they are not only morally culpable for basically kind of creating the situation where this this can happen and these kind of kinds of um and, Oh, and can I jump in and say one more thing? Yeah. And at the end where she's like, "Well, yeah, we didn't have locks on the water tanks. Like who would ever go up Dude. there? Like why would they do that? Like what? Are you kidding me?" That's that's what I was about to say is not only are they morally culpable because they've kind of allowed this like tinderbox to exist because they just need to survive and keep, you know, the building paid for. But they are very much, I feel, legally responsible. Every mm-hmm. fucking building, you, you can't just go onto the roof willy nilly. Every fucking building. I used to work in a building in, in downtown L.A. when I first moved here. And uh, people would try to go to the roof to smoke. And it was like, nah, dude, mm-hmm. alarms, locks. Oh, what about that ladder? Pfft, no, you can't oh, get yeah. out that window. This, you, this, this fact. Like, this set with, it sets off an alarm at the front desk. Okay, so then why wasn't anybody at the front desk hearing the alarm when she went out there? Well, they say she may have gone out the window, which didn't have an alarm. So then it's like. Oh, because well, of the then, fire escape. Right. Then it's like, well, then your system's fucked, my guy. And yeah. if you know you're running a, ho- a, 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 a hostel or a, a hotel that that will attract certain types of people of different varying levels of mental stability and health and wellness, then why don't you have the windows down and with an alarm on them? And why don't you have the lids to your water tanks closed? That was reckless endangerment. That was absolutely the fact that in that, in, in this documentary, she's, she's like, like, well, it wasn't required by law at fault. the time. Not and my fault. Just, <laughs> yeah. That's when I was That's... like, Oh, you're fucking nurse ratchet. Then you're actually yeah. a bad person. I yeah. got by the end of it. I was like, I think she is actually diabolical. There was something about her that loved overseeing this this like palace of mayhem, and I really she got the pow- She had the power. Yeah. she showed up in her power suits. She was the one walking the hall and determined who got to stay and who got totally. to totally and who got who got yeah. the cops called for them and who didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I really think she revealed herself to be a villain and i don't know at that very well yeah at the end yeah if you know who knows because listen you and i both know like it it true you truly can change somebody's uh story by how you oh hey i watched survivor (laughs) i know man the people fall victim to the edit for sure i i there is such a thing as like for for folks listening to us uh it truly is legit when people say that's like they they edited me incorrectly that that does happen people don't realize how easy it is to just snipe a a, a reaction shot that was Mm -hmm. not from that moment and and the next thing you know uh you could have chobot saying hey do you want to see my new puppy and you cut to me going huh and it's like what a fucking asshole bowser is well that was me reacting from Four days before, <laughs> yeah. about like lunch and the fact that you didn't, you want avocado toast or some shit. Right, like, or I made like, myself what? sick what? from eating cheese. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, but it's very possible. Anyway, so let me say, knowing that, yeah. and my own experiences with that and like all of that jazz, I will, okay, I, I could see where maybe 
<sighs> she's not as as evil as she came off at yeah. the end, but damn, with that one, you know, with that one kind of flippant demeanor about the fact yeah. that they didn't have the water tanks locked, it wasn't their responsibility. Um, and the way yeah. she said, like, I mean, I feel this bad for the family, good. but you know what I mean? Like the the loss wasn't foremost in her mind and like the yeah. tragedy wasn't foremost in her mind the and tragedy in her mind was the fact that the cecil had one more stain on it exactly not the fact that there was a family that lost her daughter i actually had yeah. more i was actually more irritated with her than i was with any of the internet sleuths for sure uh no no matter how although poor, that poor that poor metal head that part was a bummer but i mean but I, they were at least a little bit they were at least trying even the ones that got way too involved and re like refused to see the forest for the trees, at least they were empathetic to what was going on, where I felt like with her, she just did not give a shit unless it directly affected herself and or her job. She had a bit of that energy that I see or that I saw teachers at my high school have where they might have had good intentions at, at a certain point, but they got to a place where they were so tormented by the students and by the the kind of microcosm of culture in my high school that was really hard for anybody to like administer and have any kind of authority over that they eventually just kind of want to see the whole thing burn and that's yeah. like what her energy was i feel like the, that's a good assessment the place was be, had become so unruly that you know yeah she's like you want me to call for that one person that said they they were crazy well guess what i had two guys die last week it was just like you for in her eyes she even compared it to the titanic i think in her eyes it would have been polishing the brass on the titanic to take care mm -hmm. of any of these issues um and i get that i mean i haven't lived her life and haven't run the cecil for a decade that's massive but i think she lacked compassion in how she spoke about elisa lamb and i did too and the tragedy um another thing i wanted to bring up was just Here's my take on what I think could have made the docuseries better. Okay. I think, sure, have it be four episodes. Have it be five episodes. But have it be what I really thought the documentary was going to be, which is, oh, my cat's ringing the bell to come in. Hold on. That is the cutest. Oh, my gosh. I've trained him to ring the bell, and he does it. Ring-a-ding-a-ding. Um have it be an anthology and have each episode be dedicated to a, a different stage of the hotel when it was created and then when Ramirez was there and when that other serial killer they talked about was there. Break because it up and make it more sequential because I was getting lost in their timeline. They were I, jumping all over the place. I didn't get lost in their timeline too badly, but that's because you and I have read about I, I probably know more about the history of the yes. Cecil than uh, Lisa Lamb specifically herself. Elisa, with, yeah. With the exception of um, this this documentary now. Yeah. But um, but uh, what was the point I was trying to uh, I was going to make? Uh, I I was hoping for more history on the Cecil mm -hmm. because I think that then that would have supported and they touched upon it a little bit. That would have supported giving us a little bit more of that backstory, kind of the supernatural aspect that they were focused on for one or two of the episodes, only because it is really weird Yeah, how much death and destruction seems to um, uh, like thrive oh, in yeah. this one location. And I think at one point they start like, some of the investigators, the internet sleuths, start backtracking and they're like, this this leads to this point on Google Maps and that point yeah. on Google Maps is called Elise uh, Lamb oh, and then this the, is the, over the here. Test, the test for tuberculosis was named something similar to her name, yeah. Yeah, and just, but they, you know, and listen, all of the, like, it's those coincidences, though, that make you, like, stop and think, like, do I think maybe Elisa Lamb's um passing was something supernatural no i don't I, I absolutely don't especially not now but um do i think there's something weird going on at the cecil right yeah well <laughs> like, right it's because they're, they're and, not mutually and yet they exclusive did, 
Yes, and I feel like they could have run with that and yeah. pleased both sides of that story by giving you your true crime actual breakdown with what actually happened with her and and, and giving her the respect that, that her passing deserves. But also, like, kind of satisfying that aspect of true crime that in, involves and enjoys a mystery and what is the history here and what is going on that's so weird in this place because there is a lot of weird shit that seems to line up for some reason at the Cecil. And it's got right. this ridiculous backstory. And I just feel like had they leaned into that a little bit more, they could have walked out of this uh, satisfying both sides of, of the aisle. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have taken a bit more nuance in how they presented the information to us. But yes, there's no reason why you can't somehow delicately say her death was due to mental illness and her going off of her medication and having a psychotic break. But to step back from all of that, why did she find the Cecil to begin with? Is there something to this place that draws people to it that might unfortunately meet a tragic end due to circumstances that aren't supernatural? But what is the pull that a lot of people have to this place that do suffer from instability and mental illness? There's a way it's delicate because you don't want to Again, it's like the cursed films thing. You don't want to say there's a curse and it re and it removes all the agency from the people involved because mm -hmm. you don't want to discredit the mental illness and just say the Cecil Hotel makes people do things that they wouldn't normally do. But mm -hmm. can't there be somehow a mix of both, both the idea that this place has some kind of supernatural power and both that people there have agency and will but are struggling with their own personal problems that the hotel doesn't certainly help. Yeah. You know? No, I would say that if you were somebody that enjoys true crime and you watch this documentary, you would actually be doing yourself more of a favor after the end of it to go back and read the back history yeah. of the Cecil itself. Because the Cecil, in a lot of ways, is its own character. Yeah. You know, you've got the people involved with... Um, Lamb and the people working there at the time, but the the building itself seems to be its own, like its own force. Deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, th this was something you brought up earlier, but I just wanted to circle back to it before I forget it. You talk about yeah. them burying the lead by um, basically kind of holding the more personal information that her sister provided about her past episodes, but. Um, mm -hmm mental episodes, but one of the biggest things that they buried that this is when I said, fuck this documentary is that the biggest mystery for me for years has been how did she go into the tank and close the lid if there wasn't somebody else there to close the lid above her in the tank? Because from the word go, we were told, I remember hearing not only was the lid to the hatch closed, but it was padlocked. That's what I read first, like when this occurred. Oh, that's right. Remember? Oh, my gosh. We yes. talked about it. We were like, how did she get in there if the thing was locked? We had those yeah, conversations. Yeah, because the, the manager, not the manager, but the, the maintenance, guy. maintenance guy was the one that had the key. So this is. And I remember saying, well, if he had the key. Right. Then he's. And it's so funny. Then he, maybe he's got to be involved. Right. And that was years ago when that first story b first broke. And then. Watching the documentary and seeing the maintenance guy was like, "Oh, there's no way. He's just, he's obviously totally. just a sweet. He's a sweetheart. He's like the nicest Who's one in this super building." Super traumatized by this whole yeah. thing. But but the this poor dude. But I can't believe they in the in the run of the documentary they present it to us as if when he discovered the body, he had to open the hatch to look down in. They even shot a reenactment where mm -hmm. a character posing as him, opens the hatch to see in. And then at the end of episode four, when they get the web sleuths to that point, where the web sleuths are like, but wait a minute, how could she have done this alone if the hatch was closed? They literally just cut back to that maintenance man and he was like, oh yeah, no, the hatch was open when I got there. Yeah. And you're like, well then, why did you fucking show me the hatch closed, documentary filmmaker? You lied to me. At that point, you literally lied. And... Kept me yeah. in the dark for four episodes to then give me the one detail I've been waiting for, which is that, oh, the lid was actually open. Well, then, yes, she just fell in and drowned. I mean, I'm still confused. Okay, so yes, but I'm still confused about the hatch stuff. 
Because like you said, when the story first broke, there was that mention that the hatch was closed with a padlock on it. Well, one of the uh, officers even said that on TV. He said the latch, uh, the hatch, I believe, was closed when we. Yeah, but then yeah. they, but then they, but in the dock, they tra- they pedal that back. Yes. And say, well, we just misspoke, yeah. which I, I can understand that. I can understand that too. Yeah. I mean, there's God. If I had a dime for every time I've said something incorrectly, you know, like it happens. Totally. So okay. I guess my thing is whether the hatch is open or shut. I I I don't see why people don't think she should have she she could have gotten in there herself. Like, couldn't she? If let's say it was shut when somebody found it, couldn't she have just like in her totally in her thought process of trying to hide, just opened it just enough to squeeze in, thinking she'd be able to climb back out really easily, but because there's nothing to really stand on and the water's sinking at the same time, she can't, and she just misjudged and then panicked and realized what was going on. Exactly. Or she could have opened it all the way, and so now it's open, but she uh, still can't reach it because now she's in the water and she's further down in the tank and there's no way to climb out of it. Like, I just, I guess yeah, my there thing was... is I don't know why people think she could not have still gotten in there on her own. Right, like, there's a lot of that in the documentary where people made these really broad statements that we were just supposed to take as fact that I was like, well, wait, that's not true. Like, at one point they said if she had been carried up there by somebody... There would be bruises on her body. There would be scratches. There would be cuts. And I'm like, mm-hmm. would there be? You're what? How do you know how strong the person was that carried her? They could have carried her in a way that never her her body never bounced against any of the walls or ladders or tanks edges. Like that was just such a broad statement. Yeah, but doesn't that happen? Like when somebody's when somebody assuming she was killed outside of the water tank and then placed in the water tank to hide the body. Isn't it that like once you're dead, your blood starts to pool in a certain way in your body, depending on where you are lying? So if somebody yeah. was carrying her, she would be, she would have gotten bruised in uh, that. Unless she was just knocked was, out and then carried and then thrown into then, the tank. But then it's yeah. like, well, there was no mark on her head. But also yeah. she was beginning to decompose already. So how? Well, that's because she's sitting in the water. No, but what I'm saying is like, then how could they make any judgment on the state of her body as far as like, you know, superficial scratches or bruises or cuts if she had already begun to decompose? It just felt like the same. Oh, the same. I don't know. I, I feel like forensic science has got that stuff on. Maybe. Lock. But right. To your point of the la- of the la- uh, of the hatch. Yeah, sure. Isn't there a world where she she I mean, this is so difficult to explain, but. Yeah, she lowers herself in partially. Like she's good and, then, she's in. and then grabs and the then, lid and like as she's closing the lid, r- she falls down into the water. There, yeah. If if you like it falls it like closes behind her by right. accident or it remains open and she falls in and she's too far away from the edge now. Well, but it has to, to get closed. It. it has to get closed because it was closed when the maintenance man found it. I thought you said it was open. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. Oh, my God. It was open. I'm even getting fucking mind fucked by the information. <laughs> I'm like, wait, no. But you know what's it. so funny? The reason I think that is because they shot the recreation of him opening the fucking tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is irresponsible unless the documentary presents itself to be, you know, Rashomon, where it's like, we're going to tell you five different perspectives. And then in the end, we'll tell you the real one. Uh, or to a more simpler degree, clue. You know, like we're purposely ah, showing yeah. you different perspectives, but don't worry, we're going to show you the truth in the end. But that's not how it presented itself. It wasn't that clever in its structure. Well, now that you mention, I mean, clue as an example, <laughs> yeah. I could see them. I could see that that I could see that being their intention. They just yeah. didn't do a good enough job yeah. doing that because everything that they touched upon in the documentary were rumors and. Yeah. Ideas kind of floating around this whole incident. So they covered it. Yeah. I just feel like there's there needed to be a more definitive like, okay, so that's what you know up to this point. This is this is the urban myth surrounding this. Here's what really happened. And they totally. kind of did that at the end with the interview with the maintenance man, with some of the cops, especially when the cops started breaking down like why we didn't give the papers out right away. This is why yeah. we said this. 
this was the mistakes we made and this is how we tried to fix them. Once that one or two cops like really kind of like went down their list and like explained everything at once closer to the end of the doc, yeah. I was like, okay, that's pretty good. And I get it. And I feel like that's a bit of closure, but it's still, there needed to be a little bit more, I think, of a definitive yeah. line between this is the story as you know it. This is what really happened. We were just giving you all the bits and pieces that we could. Exactly. Yeah. But I agree with you. That could have been done better. Yeah. It just didn't feel like it had much strategy that I, I guess, respected. I feel like the the, the Night Stalker documentary, um, it really felt like its intention was to illuminate the depths of the crime and the depths of the effect it had on the survivors and what it even put the detectives through. And I felt like it stayed the course. And like when it teased new information, um, it came at a point in the story when other characters were telling the story about receiving that new information. Like we were tracking along in a more honest way with the participants of the story. Whereas this was like a kind of, third person perspective of let's mix up all the information to kind of fuck with the audience until we feel like laying it all out for them. And I, I, mm -hmm. I just like reject, there was another documentary that did that other than dear Zachary. And I went off on it and I don't know if it, it must've been on our podcast. Um, God damn it. What was it? But I don't like it when I feel like you're, you're treating documentary as if it is the exact same as uh as a narrative film where it's like, ah, eh, whatever scene I want to put here, I can put there, whatever scene, whatever character I want to have say this, I can have them say this. Like there's gotta be mm -hmm. some journalistic integrity and motive. I think with documentary filmmaking, unless it's highly experimental, but this I felt like was just kind of disrespectful. I could see that. I, I mean, I get your point about like, there needs to be a little bit more, um, upfront, yeah. upfront truth. When you're trying to tell somebody's, you know, life story, which ended yeah. in their death, yeah, um, and in a t and in a really sad way too, super um, sad. So, is there anything else that we should touch upon? I think we got most of most of the gist, right? We got most of the beats. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as a recommendation or not, I'd I'd almost not recommend. People watch it because I don't know that it's. I would recommend it as far as an easy sit down weekend Netflix binge watch. Yeah. But I would highly, highly recommend reading up on the backstory of the Cecil Hotel yeah. first so that you can understand why this documentary even needed exists. to be made yeah. and exists and why why all of this kind of. um happened around around her death yeah. in the first place because the history of the Cecil to me is the baseline for all of this. Yeah, without a doubt. And when they started to get into the history, I thought, okay, here we go. But they moved on yeah. from it so quickly. So quickly. So, so quickly. Yeah. And who knows why? I mean, you know, the Cecil is still trying, like currently the Cecil is still trying to renovate itself and make this stay on Main, although they're changing the name again, work. And I think, or no, they they sold it, right? They sold it to a new developer uh -huh. and he's going to try and turn it into um, a high-end place to stay. But I think he's also splitting the building in half where it's still going to be month you know month to month inhabitants and then yeah. actual like visitors from out of town so yeah. they're going to still do the same thing as to whether or not they're going to leave that one entranceway elevator in there for everybody to use I, I just feel like i just feel like that's such a bad that's such a bad idea yeah. and you know it's so it's so interesting that the manager, not to keep going back on the manager, but the manager <laughs> mentions like, she's like, oh, I just think that she was, you know, caught in a trap. And it's like, yeah, you set the fucking trap. Right. I was going to say you that. Literally you literally set the trap. Yeah. It's like she was <laughs> caught in a trap. Yeah. The, 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 I don't even know what to call this place. This like damned place that you are responsible for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess she did walk into the trap of a 
like poorly and it, managed. And here's the thing. It wasn't just her either. It was it was the other visitors that were staying there. They follow in the documentary yeah. this other couple that basically did the same thing she did in the sense of I want to go on a trip. Let's look for cheap places. I mean, I've how many times have I done something totally. like that where I've hopped on like an like a like an Airbnb or whatever, or some sort of like easy travel site, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you can stay here for a however much." I'm like, "Okay, this is sure. what travelers do." And, uh, you know, they were like, all right. And they walked in and they're all impressed because there's this lovely lobby, even though they think the area of town's a little sketch. Yeah. And then they get into that elevator. They're like, what the fuck? Right. And then even if, even if the building is split and once you get off that ever elevator and you deal with it, like, okay, you go your separate ways. Yeah. Their room was still garbage. Like, totally. they're, <laughs> like it's not like this... It's not like the people behind the Cecil really renovated or made those rooms yeah. nice for the people that were there to visit LA to and stay not on just Maine. yeah. Yeah, like what are you like yeah. oh my god. So yes, I do still feel like while uh, while uh the situation with Lamb, you know, her not taking the meds and then having um having uh an episode is you know i i mean i guess it's not the hotel's fault you can't force right. a hotel can't force somebody to take their meds they didn't even know any of it yeah um i mean other than the fact that her roommates were starting to kind of complain about mm -hmm. her but uh but uh but still man just like putting people in those situations and yeah. like just to grab their money and go and think that that's okay is just you know yeah. because then you if you're from out of town and you show up there and that's the money that you allotted yourself for this right. vacation you're you're, you're, stuck. you're stuck there you're trapped totally you are trapped yeah it's just terrifying oh my situation gosh. to be in yes yes it, and just scary mm -hmm. and awful and i feel uh bad for everybody involved yeah um Except for the manager, I don't really feel that bad yeah. for her. I feel like she doesn't care one way or the other, honestly. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, right. uh, this was, I would say, definitely look up the ba the back history on the Cecil yeah. that if you're going to watch this documentary, that'll um, kind of bring to light and give you a lot more information on why the documentary even exists in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, yeah, that's kind of it, yeah. I guess. So, uh, Untoldians, we are continuing to do stereo every Sunday uh, so far this month. So please join us. It's Sundays at 12. We kind of have them be listener stories, but we will also do Q&A. And I think that's where we're going to start doing some um, Weird of the Week over there as well, especially when we have really kind of long discussions like we did today. Yeah. It just makes sense to cover it over there. So please come join us. Uh, you just need to follow us at our handles. And I am at untold, untold underscore Chobot. And I'm untold underscore Bowser. Yes. So just download the stereo app. It is free. Once you start following us, you should be able to leave us messages. Um, and then we will play them on air and listen to your listener stories live or answer your questions live and or um, also... I would love to hear people's opinion on this documentary. Yeah, that's true. Get it, get into it with us because I didn't think it was as bad as Bowser did, but I definitely had issues with some moments of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'd love to hear everybody's take on it because it was a big deal here in the LA area and nationally and internationally. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'm really curious to hear what people think. Yeah. I will say this. I will say this about the doc that despite its rough edges <laughs> i am so much happier that it was a uh pretty much a straightforward doc that gave you the actual um realistic ending rather than a horror movie trying to take what happened to her and twist it around yeah. for entertainment's sake i'm glad we got this out of out the gate first yeah versus like you know like a like more of a, a scary movie approach kind of thing. Totally. Because they were remember they were thinking about doing that for a while too. Yeah. I, you and I both were like, Ugh, I don't. It seems a bit too soon. Yeah. There's a weird part of the documentary where they say that people started comparing 
what happened to Elisa Lam to the movie Dark Water. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, that God. was weird. Yeah. Yeah. That, I forgot about that. That whole thing could have absolutely have gone. Yeah, like, totally. Like, that entire edit did not need to exist. Yeah. That was that was where, to me. Yeah. That was like, I'm like, I'm I'm all about your internet sleuthing, conspiracy theories, and how all of this being interconnected with each other because of the names of certain yeah. things and whatnot. All, it is weird. I'm there with that, but there is no way that dark water has anything to do exactly, I know. with what happened at the Cecil. Yeah. Like, no way. That, I forgot about that. Fuck, now I'm all pissed off because that really burnt my ass. I did not like that. Yeah. Anyway, yes, Untoldians, join us. Stereo, noon on Sunday, Q&A. Give us your opinion about the doc. Tell us your own listener stories. We will be there. Yep. No matter what. Yep. All right. You want to sign us off? Yeah. This has been Jessica Chobot and Andrew Bowser. You've been listening to the Untold, Untold Hour. Hour. Bye. Bye. Untoldians, that is it for this episode of the Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bazaar. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to the Untold Hour Pod at gmail.com. Come join the Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at the Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Starbands Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.